November 9th. And so now as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today will be from the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verses 11 through 28. And we'll be reading about a better sanctuary in every way. The present heavenly sanctuary is better than any sanctuary on earth, including the temple in Jerusalem. We really need to be grateful for the price Jesus paid to make His heavenly ministry possible. We'll read about a better service. The Jewish high priest could deal only with externals, but Jesus deals with the heart and conscience. He can purify us and perfect us so that we can serve God acceptably. Do you come to Him daily and ask for His ministry? And we'll read about a better sacrifice. The blood that purchased your eternal redemption came not from unwilling animals, but from the Son of God, who willingly laid down His life for you and me. The spotless Lamb of God had to die only once. The sacrifice need not be repeated. Have you trusted that blood to save you? And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. November 9th, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 28. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that great perfect sanctuary in heaven, not made by human hands, and not part of this created world. Once for all time, He took blood into that most holy place, but not the blood of goats and calves. He took His own blood, and with it He secured our salvation forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's bodies from ritual defilement. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our hearts from deeds that lead to death, so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the Eternal Spirit, Christ offered Himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why He is the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, so that all who are invited can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. Now when someone dies and leaves a will, no one gets anything until it's proved that the person who wrote the will is dead. The will goes into effect only after the death of the person who wrote it. While the person is still alive, no one can use the will to get any of the things promised to them. That is why blood was required under the first covenant as a proof of death. For after Moses had given the people all of God's laws, he took the blood of calves and goats, along with water, and sprinkled both the book of God's laws and all the people, using branches of hyssop bushes and scarlet wool. Then he said, This blood confirms the covenant God has made with you, and in the same way he sprinkled blood on the sacred tent and on everything used for worship. In fact, we can say that according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified by sprinkling with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That is why the earthly tent and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals, 
for Christ has entered into heaven itself to appear now before God as our Advocate. He did not go into the earthly place of worship, for that was merely a copy of the real temple in heaven. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, like the earthly high priest who enters the most holy place year after year to offer the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, he would have had to die again and again, ever since the world began. But no, he came once for all time, at the end of the age, to remove the power of sin forever by his sacrificial death for us. And just as it is destined that each person dies only once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ died only once as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, but not to deal with our sins again. This time, He will bring salvation to all those who are eagerly waiting for Him. The Bible says, My King is the King of the Jews. He's the King of Israel. He's the King of righteousness. He's the King of the ages. He's the King of heaven. He's the King of glory. He's the King of kings. And He's the Lord of lords. That's my King. I wonder, do you know Him? My King is a sovereign King. No means of measure can define His limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient Savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. Without 
Hi, this is Eric. I'm in phase one of the refuge. Um, they asked me to talk about the principle that um, I've been most uh, learning from, and it's probably definitely my relationship with others. Um, I'm the kind of guy who uh, is a loner and has a hard time reaching out and asking for help. And these, the second principle of the seven has been really good for me and the relationships that I've had and that I'm learning to have and that I'm growing here at the, in phase one have been really good. They've been really authentic and I really feel like the guys here that appreciate the relationship that they can give and that we have. Thanks. Psalm 107 Verses 1 through 43. How easy it is to take God's mercy for granted. Ingratitude seems to be natural to the sinful human heart. Here are four pictures of God's mercy toward sinners and how they responded. Travelers. Being lost in the wilderness without food or drink would be a frightening experience. God not only saved them, but led them to the safety of the city. Did they take time to thank Him? And then there are prisoners. They were in prison because they'd rebelled against God's will, so they deserved to suffer. But when they cried out to God, He heard them and set them free. Did they take time to thank Him? And what about the sailors? He calmed the storm, and He brought them to their desired destination. Be wise and understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Psalm 107, verses 1 through 43. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others He has saved you from your enemies. For He has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in the desert, lost and homeless. Hungry and thirsty, they nearly died. Lord, help! they cried in their trouble, and He rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Let them praise the Lord for His great love, for all His wonderful deeds to them, for He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, miserable prisoners in chains. They rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. That is why He broke them with hard labor. They fell, and no one helped them rise again. Lord, help! they cried in their trouble, and He saved them from their distress. He led them from the darkness and deepest gloom. He snapped their chains. Let them praise the Lord for His great love, for all His wonderful deeds to them. For He broke down their prison gates of bronze. He cut apart their bars of iron. Some were fools in their rebellion. They suffered for their sins. Their appetites were gone, and death was near. Lord, help! they cried in their trouble. And He saved them from their distress. He spoke, and they were healed, snatched from the door of death. 
Let them praise the Lord for His great love and for all His wonderful deeds to them. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about His glorious acts. Some went off in ships, plying the trade routes of the world. They too observed the Lord's power in action, His impressive works on the deepest seas. He spoke, and the winds rose, stirring up the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and sank again to the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wits' end. Lord, help! they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. He changes rivers into deserts and springs of water into dry land. He turns the fruitful land into salty wastelands because of the wickedness of those who live there. But he also turns deserts into pools of water, the dry land into flowing springs. He brings the hungry to settle there and build their cities. They sow their fields, plant their vineyards, and harvest their bumper crops. How he blesses them! They raise large families there, and their herds of cattle increase. When they decrease in number and become impoverished through oppression, trouble, and sorrow, the Lord pours contempt on their princes, causing them to wander in trackless wastelands. But He rescues the poor from their distress and increases their families like vast flocks of sheep. The godly will see these things and be glad, while the wicked are stricken silent. Those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. Proverbs 27, verse 11 My child, how happy I will be if you turn out to be wise. Then I will be able to answer my critics.